0: or you can go to our website, wolcarlsbad.com, and you can click the Give tab and give that way. The last thing today is that if you have any needs or anything like that that we can partner with you on, then drop us a line and send us that, and we're going to partner with you in prayer. I believe today is going to be a wonderful day. I want you to open up your heart to receive from the Word of God today, and always remember that God is madly in love with you. Let's get to the service. Um, we're talking about changing the atmosphere, and I believe this, that we walk around in, in life, and we have a certain space that we occupy. Now, that space usually has been formed by things that have happened in our life. That space is formed by circumstances, situations, sometimes it's the hand that has been dealt to us, sometimes we have made mistakes that have landed us in this current space and we can't really figure out how to get out, sometimes you just need some clarity, sometimes it just feels like everything's closing in. We've created this atmosphere, and we kind of live in this atmosphere. Now, another scenario is this. Sometimes we're just cruising through life, and everything is cool. It's not like there's a whole lot of highs and a whole lot of lows, but there's this general sense of discontent because you feel like maybe there's something more that you're just not quite getting. Sometimes the atmosphere that we live in is really great at times and then when we fall we have low lows and, and we're way up and we're way down and we have all kinds of different situations and, and, and atmospheres and life that we, that we live in and, and we bounce around. I mean, but as a general rule, we kind of stay on the same road. And I believe that sometimes we want to change this space or we want just something to happen, or, but it's really hard to kickstart those things sometimes. I believe that God has something that's so great for us that if we'll step into his atmosphere, if we'll take our life to a new level, if we'll go beyond what's comfortable for us, then live what is a buzzword right now, our best life. That's the life that he's called us to, something beyond today, something beyond what I can see with these eyes. Now, I'm going to kind of give a, a short recap, and then we're going we're to really, all we're going to get to today is to talk about what we didn't get to last week. But I'm going to start here in Romans chapter 1, and you can look on your, uh, on your phones or, or your tablets or whatever you brought today, your paper Bibles or, or, or whatever. Romans 12, 1. I'm going to start with prayer, and then I'll get into this. Father God, I thank you for this awesome day that you made for us. And God, we ask you today that you will open up the Scripture to us and teach us through your Holy Spirit. God, we know That we are very finite in our knowledge, but God, you know everything. And so God, I ask you to use my mouth today, not for my words and my limited knowledge, but God, that you and your knowledge would flow through me to speak your word to your people. And I ask that they're good ground for your word, that as it's sown in their life, it's multiplied and it produces fruit in them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The scripture says in Romans 12, 1, and you can put this one up. Yeah, yeah, it's there, I believe. And I I scratch all over my notes, and I like to show you kind of some of the process, and I think it helps us connect, and maybe you're like, that's just messy, and I don't know, but anyway. It says here, I beseech, and that word beseech, it just means I strongly urge. I urge you, therefore, my brothers. We're family, right? Right? So, as family, I urge you, my family, by the mercy of God. Now, this literally means right here, because God is so merciful. Because we have a God that is so, so, so merciful. I urge you, because of God's mercy, because of all that he has done for us, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Now, I told you last week that one of the, the, the rules of biblical interpretation as we're looking through Scripture is that we compare Scripture with Scripture. There's no Scripture that's just going to be out there on an island, and it means something, and there's no other Scripture that even remotely talks about that. And so knowing what I know from the study of the scripture and what God has led me on in this journey for about five or six years to grace and what God has been showing me, I really, as I read this and I'm studying it and I've preached out of this scripture dozens of times, but it says, I urge you brothers by the mercies of God, I really felt like this scripture should say grace. I urge you because God has been so gracious to you. Now, mercy means to not get what you deserve. The person with the power, the person with the power to judge, doesn't judge you according to what you deserve. That's mercy. But then grace is getting things that you don't deserve. So it goes a step further. It's not just I didn't get punished even though I should have got punished. It's not only that I didn't get punished, but I get blessed. That's why mercy and grace have to work together. But when I see this, I urge you, my brothers, by the mercy of God, I felt like it should say grace. And so I studied and I looked and I can't make the scripture say what it doesn't say. You get in trouble by doing that. It doesn't say grace, it says mercy. Mercy and grace have to work together. I want you to say that. Mercy and grace have to work together. So I learned through this scripture a deeper understanding that mercy and grace have to work together. He says, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. How can can my body be acceptable to God? How can my flesh be acceptable to God? We're going to read here in a little bit that Paul said, my flesh is enmity to God. It's, an, it's against God. There's a division there. So how can my flesh be presented to God? Because this is the same guy writing this. We'll talk about it in a minute. Just keep that in your mind, but kind of in the back, because I don't want you thinking too hard on it. I want you focusing. Acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. So here's where the key was, because when I looked up this word reasonable, the the And contained in this Greek word, and I'm not going to go into the Greek word, but contained in this was the word logos, which I thought probably meant the word. And so I looked back at John chapter 1, because it says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Say, the word was God. Say it again like you really mean it. The word was God. Because this is really, really good. He, look, it says, it is your reasonable service. It's your reasonable service to present your body to God, a living sacrifice. You could also say it this way, that because of the word or because of Jesus and his grace that he has poured out on us, I can present my body acceptable to God. Amen? My body is acceptable to God. My flesh is acceptable to God. I'm going to prove it to you here in a little bit in a deeper way. But we do this by being transformed It says, don't be conformed to the world or molded by the era. Again, I don't think this means do not be conformed to the world like do not listen to the new Lizzo song. Like, I don't think that's what it means. I don't think it means don't be conformed to the world like I'm going to completely shut out anything that isn't Jesus. But I believe it's saying do not be conformed to the world It's saying, don't be molded to react the way this era reacts to things. The era that you're living in now, the era that we live in, there's so much hate. The era that we live in now, we're void of love. The era that we live in now, it's an era of fear. But I'm not going to be conformed to the way that this era does things. I'm going to be transformed by changing the way I think, by having a renovation. And that word renovation is so important there because we're not talking about a total reconstruction. We're not talking about completely throwing out everything. He's saying renovate. Because God has put very valuable things in you that sometimes you aren't using for the kingdom of God. And so it's not a complete and total purging but it's a renovation now in any renovation you throw out things that are old right but you still got the guts have you ever heard that the bones are good right oh I look at that house and it's kind of a mess but the bones are good and so what are we going to do well we're going to tear out that old pink tub right what are we going to do we're going to pull out some of the sheetrock. We're going to redo some stuff. It's got old wiring that we need to repair because if not, if we don't take care of that old wiring, then it's going to cause a problem later on, right? So you're renovating. You're throwing out the things that need to be thrown out. You're saving the things that need to be saved. And you're making new. You do this so that you can prove what is the good, what is the acceptable. Again, he uses that word acceptable. Second time. Again, you can prove. First of all, you had to present your body a living sacrifice to God that is holy and that is acceptable. So the first thing you have to do is you have to know that you're acceptable. Say, I'm acceptable to God. Say, I'm acceptable to God. Say it again, I'm acceptable to God. You have to know that. And you present yourself to God, nobody else has to believe it. There's not another soul in this room that has to believe that you're acceptable to God. You haven't proved anything yet, but I know it because God said it. And if God said it, then I believe it for my life whether anybody else believes it or not. I'm acceptable to God. So I present my body to God, not ashamed, no guilt, no shame, no bondage, no chains, right? I'm acceptable to God. God, here's my life. Take it. It's yours. Make me what you want me to be. And if I need to change my thinking to change my atmosphere, then I'll do it, even though change is hard. So I present my body to God, holy and acceptable, And then I begin the process of changing my mind. I want you to understand the order here. There's an order here. He said, present your body to God, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable because of the grace that has been poured out on you. Then he says, don't think of things the way this world thinks of them, but renew your mind. So many times we try to renew our mind so that we'll be acceptable. Am I right? Right? We try to renew our mind. We try to make changes so that we'll be acceptable. Well, if I just give a little more in the offering, then I'll be acceptable to God. Well, if I, just, if I just talk about God, if I listen to K-Love a little bit more, maybe I'll be acceptable to God. Maybe if I post a few more Christian memes. I read this thing that said, if I repost this, then God will love me ten times more. So I even did that so that to God I prayed three times and I only cussed once so the ratio is getting better (laughs) he says that you're acceptable then start renewing your mind you know what the mind renewal is for? to prove prove it the mind renewal is to prove it He already sees you as acceptable and it has nothing to do with renewing your mind, but you renew your mind so that you can prove it so that I can go out See myself anymore. I see Christ through me. So that I can go out and I can say to this world, I can look around and I can say, look, the power of God has done a work on me and can do a work on you. I'm living proof of his goodness. Stephen is living proof of his goodness. There are so many stories sitting in these chairs right now and watching online that are living proof of his goodness that we have been accepted by him and we have been elevated to a new place in him. Amen? Hallelujah, that you may prove what is the good and what is the acceptable and what is the perfect will of God. We talked about this, that often we're trying to get God to change our surroundings. When God is saying, I'm not interested in changing your surroundings, that's just a band-aid. I'm interested in changing your heart. Because if God can change our heart, if he can change the get us to be transformed by renewing the way we think, then we don't live on that highs and lows and highs and lows. The children of Israel wandered around in the wilderness for 40 years eating manna, and they complained every day about the manna. See, God sustained them, but their best was in the promised land, where they didn't have to eat the manna every single day. God didn't leave them alone, even though they were complaining. He didn't say, well, if you don't like it, don't eat it. I just won't send it anymore. Do you ever stop feeding your kids because they complain about dinner? Now, I'm not talking about one time, what you got's on your plate. Go to bed hungry. What do you do the next morning? They eat breakfast, right? God doesn't stop feeding us just because we're not in the right place. We're griping and complaining, but he's saying, this isn't my best for you. This isn't the best thing I have for you. You prayed and you prayed and you prayed, God, give me a job. God, I need a better place. God, I need, and that thing that was a godsend, at some point, your mind began to change, and now you're complaining about that thing that he gave you. It's not good enough for you anymore. You want something else. You're not content until you develop that heart of contentment. God is saying, I could give you that promotion. I could give you that raise. But all the time, you're saying, man, they don't even appreciate me. They don't notice what I do around here. If I went away, this whole place would just fall apart. I just wish some I would get paid what I deserve. But you need to understand that you're not working for man you need to understand whose you are. You need to understand whose messenger you are. If you begin to renew your mind and renovate yourself, then I promise you, God will move you higher and higher and higher and higher. He can move, He could, he could provide that relationship for you, He could provide that financial breakthrough for you. But where's your mind at? Right now, you need to just stay on the manna. It took a change of regime. It took Joshua coming in to move the children of Israel from the wilderness to the promised land. It took them going through the Jordan River. And in the Jordan River, the the word Jordan River is the presence of God descending on them. It took the children of Israel coming to a place to say, I'm going to cross this Jordan River, and when I cross it, I'm leaving behind all of the old thinking, and I'm going to walk through the presence of God. It's going to saturate me. It's going to fill me up. And I'm going to cross over. And once you cross over, there's no looking back. Because to change the atmosphere, you can't look back. Hebrews eleven six, 6, it says, But without faith, it is impossible to please God. This one's on there, too, I think. It may not be. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. That word, please, is the exact same word as acceptable. Without faith, it is impossible to be acceptable to God. God must believe that He is or singular. There's no other that is there as my hope. There is no other that is there to fill the void. That's a problem we have in relationships a lot of times. We think to fill the void. We think the relationship is all I need. And so we're like, God, God, I need this. God, I just somebody that just appreciates me, that I can have a good time with, that, that I can just be me. But then we get in that relationship and it just becomes all about the relationship and none about the one who gave you the relationship. And so where does that leave you at the end of the day? Broken once again, hurting once again. And sometimes we're like, God, you just never give me this. God, I'm, I keep asking and asking and asking and asking, and you just never give me this. Paul had a similar situation. He said, everywhere I go, I have trouble. There's a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. It's just hard for me. Everywhere I go, I feel like I'm running into brick wall after brick wall after brick wall, and I'm trying so hard, and I'm following you. And he asked God three times to take that away from him, and God said, no, I'm not going to. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. In other words, stop asking me to change your situation and allow me to work in that situation and change your heart. Because I'm big enough to control the situation. If I just took that from you and you never had a change, you never changed your atmosphere, you never got into a new place, then you would just have the same problem over and over and over. You want to get out of the cycle? Stop asking God to change your situation and ask him to change you. God will never promote you. This is good. Write this down. God will never promote you beyond your understanding of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He will never promote you. Beyond your understanding, beyond your trust in the finished work of Jesus, that it was enough for me, that it doesn't have to be me, that it's not on my shoulders, until I understand that his strength is made perfect in my weakness, then I am never going to be promoted to the place where he wants for me, because he doesn't want to take care of all those issues so that I can just have an easy path. He wants me to say, my total dependence is on you, because I can't do it alone, and that way, no matter what I face, I overcome it. No matter what I face, I move past it. I remember after 9-11, we had these situations, and I don't know the specifics, but there were these situations. Somebody was was caught at at uh with a with a blanket on an airplane, so airplanes stopped providing blankets. And then one time somebody had put something in their shoe, and so then we have to take off our shoes, and, and you do that at, at, at TSA. And I think about those things, and I think, you know what? The shoe was not the problem. I don't have any issue taking off my shoes. I, I, I totally I fly a lot, and I really appreciate what they do for us. And it's a hard job, and I have seen people get irate. It's a hard job. I try to be patient. You're not going to do anything about it anyway. Try to be patient. Try to be courteous. Say thank you. I also bought TSA pre-check, so I don't have to do that as much. But the thing is that we have this tendency to treat the symptom instead of the root. We have this tendency to say, well, my problem, my real problem that I see is their attitude. That's my problem. If their attitude changed, then mine would be better. Well, I don't know that I agree with you. Well, my problem is just this job right here. My problem is that woman that was supposed to be so great. And we get in this rut of pointing the finger and saying, this situation is my problem. If this was just removed from my life, everything would be great. But until you deal with the heart of the problem, God can't promote you. Until you say, Jesus is enough for me, and I'm going to focus on him, and I'm going to trust that he takes care of those other things, you can't be promoted. You have to believe that he is, and you have to believe that he is rewarder, that he is rewarder. You have to believe, to please God, you need to believe that he's good. You need to believe that he's on your side. You need to believe that he's rewarder of those that diligently seek him. That word or that phrase right there challenged me because as I looked at it, it becomes, I, I, I immediately start going back into a place of bondage because I think, well, if, I, if I'm not, seeing the results in my life that I want to see it must be that I'm not pleasing God and if I'm not pleasing God it must be because I'm not diligently seeking him because this clearly says that without faith it's impossible to please God so if I don't have faith I'm not pleasing God but if I come to God I must believe that he is that he's the only one that he is I am I believe that and that he is rewarder I believe that so what's the problem here oh I must not be diligently seeking him and so that becomes subjective. How do I diligently seek him? When I study deeper into that phrase, it's not diligently seek him. It's not three words. It's one. Diligently seek him, it means coming from a place of desiring God. It's simple. It's not X, Y, Z. It's not pray for an hour and read 12 chapters in your Bible and, and share Jesus with seven people And hand out four tracks that have a salvation message on them. And then invite two people to church and repost nine pictures on Instagram that have to do with God. It's not a formula. I need to believe that God is the only one that is my answer, that is my hope, that is my joy, that is my strength, that is my provider, my protection. And I need to believe that he is good to those that come from a place of passion towards him. He's a rewarder. He pours his blessing out on those that just genuinely want to follow him. That's liberating. So, Luke chapter 5, verse 1. We're going to stay here for the remaining time. Luke chapter 5, verse 1. It says, And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, they stood by the lake of Gennesaret. Now maybe you've heard me talk about this place called Gennesaret before. But when I see this, it immediately throws up a red flag to me, or maybe red flag is the wrong word because that usually means something bad, but it, it, it like, it's highlighted. It, it jumps out off the page because history tells us that the banks at Gennesaret along the Sea of Galilee were extremely fertile, like some of the most fertile soil that there was. That Gennesaret was a place that was very blessed because anything could grow at Gennesaret. And so when I see this, and I see that he stood by the lake, but where he was, was at Gennesaret, I think, oh, something good's getting ready to happen here. Because when we see that in Scripture, something good's going to happen. And he saw two ships, and they were standing by the lake. But the fishermen were gone out of them. They were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and he prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and he taught the people out of the ship. I think something really important happened right there because we see that Jesus came. He was at Gennesaret. He sees two ships. And he's like, hey, can I use one of your ships? But these guys were already washing their nets. They were done for the day. Ever gone into a restaurant where very evidently they're done for the day? Right? You're like five minutes away from closing time. Tiffany and I went out, went to a a restaurant. This was December 23rd. And uh, we went to a restaurant, a local restaurant, and um, we sat down to eat. And we didn't know what time they closed. and, And we didn't even know what time it was. We had been running errands and it's just one of those days that time didn't really matter. So we walk in and we sat down and, and just everybody looks weird, right? They're like... And you're like... So I asked her, I said, hey, do they close at 2? She said, I don't know. I looked at my watch and it's like 11.55. I mean one fifty-five. sorry. Close at 2. one fifty-five. No, not good at this whole math thing. Um, Thank you, Chris. I appreciate that. Chris doesn't say anything the whole service. I say that I'm terrible at math. He's all, I hey, am, brother, that speaks to my life. <laughs> so we sat down, it's 155. They close at two, and and I don't want to impose on anybody. I really didn't care at all. I mean, we were hungry, but so the the waiter walks over and and the owner was actually in the, in the building too. And so the waiter walks over and I said, you guys close at 2 o'clock? And he goes, yeah, but it's cool. I said, no, 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 we're, we're good. Like, it's almost Christmas. You're probably close tomorrow. I, you want to go home. I don't want to leave you. Or I don't want to make you wait, right? And um, he said, no, 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 it's good. It's good. You can tell the owner's there and he wants him to say it's good. The, the kid is trying to have a really great attitude. And... Um, so, anyway, we ordered food, and um, they brought it out, and they were out of a couple things because they had just, they had finished for the day, right? We're the only ones in the restaurant. Great service. We're about done, but they didn't lock the door. Somebody else came in. I'm like, oh, I feel really bad for these people. So, anyway, they were great to them, and this young man was extremely courteous to them, and you know he wanted to go home. And um, so, we went up to the register. We left a really big tip for the, for the kid, and um, we paid for the other one's meal too because I said, you know what, close out your drawer. I don't want you to have to wait on them. No, no, it's okay. No, I'm serious. Like, I caused this problem for you. Like, I wanna, I wanna make it right. So we paid for their meal. We left a really big tip. We said, thank you, thank you, thank you, and um, I was super, super impressed um, by the level of service that we got that day because you knew everybody wanted to go home. I see that picture right here. These guys had fished all night. They were discouraged because they caught nothing. And they were washing their nets so that they could go home and say, tomorrow, thank God, is another day. This was a long one, but tomorrow's another day. And they were almost done, and then this dude that they've never met before comes up, and he's like, hey, can I use your boat? No, bro. I'm going home. I think that's where I would say he's talking about your boat, right? Not my boat, your boat. But what did they do? They let Jesus use the boat. And he goes out a little from the land, and he sets down, and he taught the people out of the ship. And when they had left speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep, bro. Okay, look. And he says it, look. He says, Simon answered, Master, we've toiled all night. We've taken nothing. I just want you to understand where we're at right now. We fished all night long. I'm super tired. I was washing my nets, and I was literally three minutes away from getting in my truck and heading home. I was going to eat just a little bit. I was going to cruise through McDonald's on my way home. If the line wasn't too long, and if it was, I was going to settle for an Alsace burrito and then, because you know it's true, right? And then I was going to go home, I was going to shower and sleep and give it another go tonight. But you asked me if you could use my boat. And I said, sure, use my boat. But now you're asking me to launch out and to fish some more? Come on, man. But look what he said. We've toiled all night. We've taken nothing. But, at your word, I'll let down my net. Number one, to change the atmosphere, and we have these, I think. To change the atmosphere, it requires you to obey in spite of what you think won't work. We should have those to put up on the screen. Yeah, yeah. To change the atmosphere it requires you to to obey in spite of what you think won't work. These guys they were professional fishermen, they had fished all night and the status quo was okay, I guarantee you. They had had days like this before. Where it's just nothing seemed to work right, you try not to get too down about it. It's okay. I'll live Sometimes it goes good, sometimes it doesn't. It's all right. But Jesus wanted to change their atmosphere. He wanted to take them to a new place. And so he said, what I need you to do is I need you to go out into the deep and throw your nets out. And he's like, bro, we already did that. And it's not working. But nevertheless, if you say so, I'm going to do it. So they launched out into the deep. They threw their nets out. Obey in spite of what you think will and won't work. Now it says, and when they had done this, they enclosed great multitudes of fish, and their nets began to break. And they beckoned their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and they should help them. Number two, changing the atmosphere requires you to present yourself as vulnerable in order to reach your potential. Changing the atmosphere requires you to present yourself as vulnerable in order to reach your potential. I guarantee you this. These other guys, they were just as tired. These other guys, they had the same night. And they were washing their same nets. And then all of a sudden, these guys are like, hey, we need a little help over here. Help doing what? I don't have time to explain. Get over here. Changing the atmosphere present yourself, requires you to present yourself as vulnerable, to, to sometimes ask for a little help. Now I find this interesting because we think of asking for help as something that we do when we're in trouble, when we don't have another way out. We ask for help. I don't really like to ask for help, but in this situation, I don't have any other choice. How many times do we say that? I'm not one to ask for help, but right now, I don't have any other way. I don't have any other choice, so I'm going to ask for some help. Well, these guys, they were asking for help when everything appeared to be good. Everything appeared to be good. They just caught the most fish of their life, and they were fishermen. They just landed the biggest contract that they could ever land. But they recognized that I need some help, and if I don't get that help, I'm going to lose what I've just been given. This is the place that I was at over the last year. Because God was doing so many things. And I shared a little bit about this last week. But God was doing so many things. And things were so good. And, and middle of the year, our businesses are growing. And, and money is coming in. And contracts are good. And, and things are good at church. And, and the ministry is going good. And, and everything appears to be good. Mid-year, Tiffany's diagnosed with cancer. And then like 2 weeks later it's just gone. I mean how can that that's as good as it gets. And I still felt like I was dying inside. And I couldn't overcome it. We get to September and she's in the hospital again and We don't know what's wrong and and we're just going. I say again, it was the only time that she was in the hospital, but we're facing battles again and we don't know what's wrong and and it's just, it's piling up. And and through all that, I mean, relatively good, right? We're standing on the promises of God. You know what the best thing that I have ever heard besides the fact that we don't know what you're talking about when you say you had cancer? (laughs) That was a good one. That was a good thing to hear. In January, she had a colonoscopy, and we heard this. I don't know what they were seeing in your colon, but your colon's boring. (laughs) That's a really good thing for a doctor to say, right? When she was rushed to Lubbock because her colon was such a mess, and now they say, I don't even know what they were looking at. Like, I don't even see any, any remnants. I don't see any... Any evidence that there was ever anything wrong. You, you have a boring colon. I don't ever consider myself boring, but man, I, boring colons are good. But in spite of all that, in spite of how good God had been, I just, I needed some help or I was going to lose everything that he was doing. And I had to Change. And I said this last week and it's a quote that I continually come back to in my life that you'll change when the pain associated with the status quo is greater than the pain that's associated with change. I can't continue to live this way. I can't continue to live where my mood swings are so bad that I can't function and I'm pushing people away. can't continue and I can't do it on my own. I had to present myself as vulnerable, and this is part of it, because I've been very open about what God is doing. And I believe this, that God's plan for them that day was to go out and to get so many fish that there wasn't room enough in the net, and it began to break. But then they realized that their equipment wasn't strong enough. That their infrastructure wasn't strong enough to handle what God was pouring out on them. So they had to present themselves as vulnerable and say, look, I need some help. I may not always need help, but I need some help right now so that I can continue to do these things that God has called me to. I need some help. And these guys came over and they began to help. Pastor Kenneth Hagan Jr., where I went to Bible school, he was the the president of the Bible school that I went to and Raymond Bible Training Center in Oklahoma. He would always say this, when the natural and the supernatural come together, it creates an explosive force for God. I believe this with all my heart that sometimes a little bit of natural to take that step to activate the supernatural in our life. We begin to activate the supernatural in our life. I can't remember who it was this morning, and it doesn't matter. Um, But as I was praying this morning for those that have come forward, I prayed that for someone, that we're activating the supernatural. I remember it was Brittany. By the Spirit of God. I don't know what that meant to her, and I'll never know unless she chooses to tell me, and she certainly doesn't have to but we're activating the supernatural because things that are happening in the natural are getting us to a place where we can have God work in our life. Changing the atmosphere requires you to present yourself as vulnerable to reach your potential. It says it came. This is what I love right here. They came and it filled both it filled both ships. Isn't it awesome that God chose to bless and his guys, and he had to say, I need some help, I'm not equipped to do this. So they came over and blessed too. That's how good our God is, right? They were blessed too. So their ship filled up, they began to sink. Sometimes in change, it may temporary look like temporarily look like you made a mistake they fill up their ship everything is good oh now the ship is sinking way to go but it doesn't say anything else about that so I'm assuming here because that's not a major part of the story that the ship didn't sink we see these guys later on so they didn't die right but did you die My grandpa would always say, I've had worse things than that on my eye. It doesn't matter what you did, you could come in like your bone is sticking out the side of your arm. He's like, I've had worse things than that on my eye. The boat began to sink, but nothing else is said about that. It may temporarily look like you made a mistake, but really you're just flowing with what God has for you. And he's going to make a way. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees. He said, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. This is another thing that was never addressed in Scripture. I think that the Scripture speaks volumes through its silence in this case. Peter did just like so many of us. We receive a blessing from God, and we're like, oh, I I don't deserve this. I'm a sinful man. It's almost like we feel like this is what we're supposed to say, right, right? I, I, mm, I don't really deserve this. You, I've done some bad stuff. And Jesus never even addressed it. He never even said anything about it at all. Peter said, oh, Depart from me. I'm a sinful man, Lord. For he was astonished and all that were with him at so many fish that they had taken in. And so was James and so was John and so was Zebedee and because they were all partners with him. But this is what Jesus said. Fear not, from now on, you're going to catch men. I'm not even going to address the fact that you're trying to make yourself seem like you're lowly and like you don't. I'm not even going to address that fact because I came here knowing full well everything that you are. And I still chose to bless you. So let's stop putting this this show on that we don't deserve any of this. I want to clear the air in the room and just tell you very bluntly, we already know you don't deserve it. We already know. I know. You know. The person sitting next to you knows really well. We all know. But here's the thing. Even though you didn't deserve it, God gave it to you anyway. And he knew too. That's that whole thing of grace. He knew that you didn't deserve it better than anyone in the world, better than that person next to you. Because he even knows all those things that you thought. He even knows all those things, but he said, no, 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 I'm still going to bless you. I'm still going to pour it out on you. So I'm not even going to address that. That's a non-issue. This is a non-order. You are worth it. You are worthy. But it's through Jesus, not through you. It's through Jesus. And then it says in the last here, they forsook all and they followed him. Last thing, change, changing the atmosphere requires you to never look back. Changing the atmosphere requires you to never look back. They forsook all and they followed Jesus. Never look back. Never look back. It's not worth it. You don't need what's back there. Forsake all and follow Jesus. As the team comes up, the disciples began to follow Jesus that day. And after they began to follow Jesus, there was a lot of things that happened, but one thing really stuck out to me. So they're on the Sea of Galilee one day. And Jesus says, let's go to the other side. Remember, these guys are fishermen. So they get on the boat, and they start going to the other side. And in the middle, a storm rose up. And it was so it was so great of a storm that these seasoned experienced fishermen and people that had been following Jesus for a long time were terrified and they thought they were going to die. And Jesus was sleeping in the middle of the boat and they went and they woke him up and they're like, "Master, do you not even care? We're getting ready to die here." And he looked at him and he said, Guys, why don't you have faith? And then he stood up and he rebuked the waves and he rebuked the wind. And they ceased immediately. And I believe that day was where it clicked. See, just because you're going all out and you're following God doesn't mean you're not going to have a doubt moment. Just because you're changing your atmosphere and you're never looking back doesn't mean that you're not going to fall back into that place and want to do the things that you used to do and react the way that you used to react. That's what they did that day. Jesus stood up and he was like, why don't you have faith? And then he spoke and he took care of it. And the turning point for the disciples this they looked at each other and it said they were astonished that even the wind and the waves obey him I believe that day was a turning point to them living in this new atmosphere this new space see they have been through miracles They had seen the blessings, and they made the step to forsake all. But then, death began to rise up and try to take control in their lives again. Next week, we're going to talk about resurrection. If you thought week one was fire, this one was more like, there's a lot of information right here. But next week, you better bring your jumping shoes because we're going to talk about resurrection. Because I believe that right then is when resurrection happened in the disciples because they had already made up their mind that this is where we are going to die and they're freaking out, and the storm is bad, and I know that we forsook all, and I know that we saw that Jesus was there, and I know that we had that whole time where he said, throw your net, and we threw our net, and we did all these things, right? And we did all that so that we could come here, and this storm could come, and this storm is too big, and it's gonna overtake us, because Jesus is big. But this problem is bigger, and I can't see my... Jesus. They didn't say, Jesus, help. They said, Jesus, you don't even care? You don't even care that we're going to die right here? This is where they were at. And Jesus calmly stood up. He said, why don't you have faith? And then he looked at the problem. And he said, peace, peace still. And they were astonished. That there was even... Something that was so big that they didn't see a way around it, and he could take care of that too. That he could resurrect those dead places. If you read in the scripture, from that day on there was a difference in how they reacted. We're going to outline a couple of those things. Next week, we're going to talk about resurrection. Amen. If you're here today, quickly. Jesus is your Lord and Savior. I believe the power of God is here today to save. So if you want to receive Jesus today, I want you just to pray this prayer after me. I'm going to ask everybody to pray it with us as a show of support to those who maybe haven't, because we're a family in here. So say this after me. Say, Jesus, I believe you're God's son. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again. And I ask you to come into my life and help me and change me. And I give my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Second thing, real quick. If you're here today, and uh, I know that we already prayed for, for needs today, but I'm going to ask you this. If you're here today and someone close to you is struggling, the Bible teaches us uh, a principle called intercession, where we stand in the gap between them and God, and we pray on their behalf. So if you're here today and you know somebody that's hurting, I want to take just a moment. I also believe this, that as we pour out to somebody else, that's where our healing is contained. And so let's take a moment, just together, we're going to take one minute, and we're going to pray for those that we know that are in need. We're joining together corporately, even though we're praying individual, let's pray for a second. God, we're sending prayers to our friends, to our family. We're asking on their behalf that you're working in their situations. God, you're working to change their hearts. God, you're bringing about change. We pray that you'll rise up strong within them doing this week. We give you thanks in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. And real quick, for our country today, Father God, we pray for our nation. God, we pray today... And we put all of hell on notice that the gates of hell will not prevail against your people and any virus that tries to come against us. And we call it by name. We call the coronavirus right now by name. And we say that this does not have standing in our world in the name of Jesus, that every disease must bow to the name of Jesus. And so we speak healing across this world, we speak peace across this world, and the agents of darkness that would try to bring fear must stop, and peace will rule in our world. I pray for those that are making decisions even right now. pray that you'll give them wisdom and guidance to know exactly what to do. Doctors, professionals, politicians, that you'll give them wisdom all across this world. In Jesus' name